much do you spend from your paycheck in about 100 days? The Watchdog on Wall Street podcast with Chris Markowski. Every day, Chris helps unpack the connection between politics and the economy and how it affects your wallet. The federal government is on pace to spend over $1 trillion per every 100 days. Are Speaker Johnson and congressional Republicans doing anything about it? Enough is enough. Whether it's happening in D.C. or down on Wall Street, it's affecting you financially. Be informed. Check out the Watchdog on Wall Street podcast with Chris Markowski on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three Martinis coming up. Very glad you're with us for the Wednesday edition of the Three Martini Lunch. We have good, bad, and crazy martinis for you today, but we're not going to give them to you in that order. It's going to be bad, crazy, good. So you'll actually leave with a good taste in your mouth. Maybe that's the right way to do it. Uh, but uh, you guys like to start the day with good news, too. But uh, the big story of the day is pretty much the big story we had yesterday. Yesterday was a crazy martini. Today it's morphed into bad. And Jim, it's still the standoff in the House of Representatives. Republicans unable to agree, at least 218 of them, on who should be the next Speaker of the House. Yesterday we said we might have a Speaker today. We don't. Will we have one at this time tomorrow? Who knows? Yesterday they went through three ballots. Kevin McCarthy uh, did not budge uh, from first ballot to third ballot. I think he actually lost a a vote. Uh, he was at 203. Hakeem Jeffries is actually at 212, but you need 218. So nobody uh, advances. Uh, Andy Biggs took himself out of the running. Uh, he was the main challenger at first. And then uh, the opponents to Kevin McCarthy nominated Jim Jordan, who's supporting Kevin McCarthy. Jim Jordan didn't want to be speaker. Jim Jordan wants to be chairman of the Judiciary Committee, which is what he's going to be, so he can rip through the Biden administration and all these investigations. That's the job he wants more than anything else. Uh, so now the question becomes, Who's going to blink and how soon? The uh, 20 or so opponents of Kevin McCarthy on the right seem to think that he's going to step down and buckle. It seems more likely at this point that it's going to go in the opposite direction, which would definitely not be good, Jim. There's talk of Fred Upton, the former longtime Michigan congressman who just retired as kind of a compromised Speaker of the House that would require Democratic votes to put him over the top. Uh, I'm pretty sure that would not make the House more conservative than if Kevin McCarthy was in place. I sympathize a lot with the agreements of uh, of the opponents. They just don't have a strategy. I've kind of likened it to the uh, the rebels in Les Mis. They have all the tables and chairs and the barricade, but they don't know what to do next. Uh, and so at this point, I'm not sure what the end game is, but it looks like their ultimatum is going to end up pushing things in the opposite direction, and that's not good. Greg, I've been thinking about this, and I wrote about this in today's Morning Jolt. My, my colleague, Dominique Pino made a fair point when he said, look, the House of Representatives is not a parliament. Uh, You're not supposed to have the, you know, top figure in that, you know, legislative body handing down orders. And you and my party are expected to act out, carry out my agenda and turn it into law. Uh, It's not a prime minister. It's not something like that. This is a different branch of government. This is supposed to be the people's house. And, you know, who the speaker is matters. And, you know, Dominic's point was, you know, because it matters, it's okay for Republicans to take some time arguing amongst themselves to make sure they get this right. And in theory, uh, Dominic is right. And yes, you know, if it delays a day, if it delays tomorrow, by the way, you know, as of this recording, it's not looking good for today and it's not looking all that great for tomorrow either. You have about 200 some uh, Republicans who are like, yeah, I want to have uh, Kevin McCarthy as Speaker of the House. And you have about 20, 19, 20 Republicans like, no. I refuse to have Kevin McCarthy, the Speaker of the House. 
this fight would make more sense if it was between uh, McCarthy and Jim Jordan and Jim Jordan wanted the job. As you alluded, he doesn't want it. You, I heard some people talking about Steve Scalise as a compromise choice. No, I like Steve Scalise. I just don't see a huge difference between Kevin McCarthy and Steve Scalise. Uh, and oh, by the way, the person who nominated Kevin McCarthy to be speaker yesterday was Steve Scalise. Steve Scalise wants to be House Majority Leader. There's this weird fight in that the anti-McCarthy folks keep pushing people for the job who don't want the job. <laughs> I, 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 usually a prerequisite of having a job is you have to want that job. So we're in this weird, you know, holding pattern over and over again. And I wrote about this in the Washington Post. Uh, my, a couple of my colleagues at NR have talked about this. McCarthy had an agenda ready to go. House Republicans had an agenda ready to go. They were going to act, take actions on border security. They're going to take action on uh, domestic energy production. Uh, nothing can happen until they have a Speaker of the House, including, oh, by the way, getting House members sworn in. Uh, George Santos put out a statement that he was sworn in yesterday. I know it's going to shock you, but it turns out that was a lie. Because <laughs> you get sw sworn into the House by the Speaker of the House. The first thing they have to do is pick a Speaker of the House. Most years, there's no issue. But until you do this, you can't do anything else. You can't introduce, you can't assign people to committees. You can't introduce bills, can't introduce resolutions. Nothing can get done. Now, I know there are conservatives out there who would look say, ah, good, good. I, you know, government does too much anyway. Okay, but you know, do you want to pass something for more border funding, border security funding? I think that'd be a good idea. More domestic energy production. There's stuff you want to get done in the House. And if you want to say, ah, it's all going to die in the Senate. Well, you can get some stuff into the budget negotiations. It's going to die, you know, Biden's going to veto it. Yeah, but, you know, part of the whole point is to force these unpopular vetoes. You want to get people, you know, you want to get the American people saying, wait a minute, I want to see a secure border. Why is Joe Biden vetoing that? I want to see more domestic energy production and a reduction of gas prices. Why are they, you know, why it's, is, is Joe Biden vetoing that? So that's, you know, I, it, the, the question, what do you want to get done? Because right now, these 20 Republicans are perfectly okay with literally not even getting sworn into office. And it looks a little ridiculous. Now, again, if there was a credible, viable alternative, okay, I'd be fine with that. But they keep putting forth people who don't want the job. And there is no, you know, uh, 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 at, so far, pretty well into this process, there hasn't been this emergence. Now, you mentioned Fred Upton, Greg. You know what I like best about Fred Upton? His niece? Ah, dang it, you guessed it, <laughs> Kind of, I mean, like, I guess, like, you know, that would that be the end of the world? No, but the idea um, that a very experienced, very senior, I don't know if you, yeah, certain people would qualify him as a, a moderate Republican or establishment Republican. Um, would he make the House run smoother? I, I skeptical, maybe. I'd hope if it happens, great, but I, I kind of think that's just kind of punting on this decision. What do House Republicans want? Because right now, it seems like about 20 of their members want chaos. They want this. They want nothing to happen. Because I guess, I guess they feel like it's good. I guess they feel like this is where they want to be. It's good for them. Not so sure it's good for the country. Not so sure it's good for Republican Party. And I don't think it's all that good for the conservative movement either. Again, if there was an end game where even if it's just we want to send a message that, uh, you know, Kevin McCarthy has to go, even if the replacement isn't that much different, if that was where this was headed, 
that would make a, a, a modicum of sense, but ultimately that's not where the momentum's going here. Uh, the momentum is going to be more collegiality and more power potentially uh, to Democrats because if, if the Democrats are needed to, uh, you know, cobble together a compromise candidate like Upton, who I think would not be a good speaker, uh, they're going to demand more. They're going to demand more committee power. They're going to demand more in a lot of different areas. And uh, and, and the people who uh, are, are standing against Kevin McCarthy right now are going to be marginalized even more. And, and that's frustrating. There are arguments they have that I agree with. I just don't think this is heading in the direction they want it to. And they're going to end up with less power instead of more. All right. Speaking of more power. Uh, Somebody needs that- to pull the plug, Greg. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Maybe you need to plug in something to your computer that'll protect you from hackers uh, and also give you more options with your entertainment. And that's ExpressVPN. In 2022, there's still parents that don't have VPNs and other uh, things on their kids' devices that prevent them from seeing things they, they shouldn't be seeing. So protect your devices, protect your kids, and accelerate your entertainment options with ExpressVPN. I don't know about you, Greg, but every now and then I'll I'll click on some site, you know, shopping or something like that. And then you start seeing those ads on every single other site you visit because you've attracted some cookie and it's tracking your IP. Every device, phones, computers, tablets, they've all got a unique IP address, which is like an internet phone number. It reveals personal information about you, like where you live. Very simple for some stranger online to find your IP address. And if you've ever clicked on a sketchy link or open an email with a bugged image, your IP address could be exposed. You know, God knows what kind of creeps are out there and how they're going to use it or whether they can like physically track down you, track down your family using that IP address. Secure your family's online activity and unlock tons of new shows by visiting expressvpn.com slash martini. Use our link and you can get three extra months for free. That's expressvpn.com slash martini, expressvpn.com slash martini to learn more. All right, Jim, on to our crazy martini now. And for that, we go back to the Twitter files. And there might be an explosive Twitter files later this week. Who knows? Uh, Elon Musk promising that the Fauci files are coming uh, this week. We'll see if that happens. But Matt Taibbi with another thread, actually two of them yesterday, on the intelligence community and its connection to Twitter suppression of online speech. It turns out that Facebook was killing a lot of accounts that were accused of uh, pushing Russian disinformation. And so Twitter was under pressure to do the same. And from what Taibbi reports, they took a pretty good, long, hard look at it on a number of occasions and just realized there isn't that much happening on Twitter. And so the numbers compared to Facebook were pretty meager. And so you had folks like Mark Warner, uh, chairman of the Senate Intelligence Committee for the Democrats, or at least the top Democrat at the time, I think that was back in 2017, saying, oh, no, 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 try again, try again. There's got to be way, way more than that. And so they looked again and there wasn't much. And and then there was more pressure uh, in this thread. There's a quote from a Johns Hopkins professor saying, were Twitter a contractor for the FSB, they could not have built a more effective dis- information platform. This is what the lefties in charge at Twitter. And so ultimately, Twitter, uh, feeling the pressure, decided to uh, to buckle and do what the government was asking them to do through something called the Global Engagement Center at the State Department. That doesn't sound Orwellian at all. Slowly but surely, and really not all that slowly, more and more requests coming in to uh, kill these different accounts from all sorts of different agencies. Finally, the FBI kind of asserted itself as the, uh, the, the clearinghouse for all this stuff to pass it along to Twitter. 
Then again, you got the FBI telling uh, Twitter what to do and, and suppressing free speech. And then you've got the uh, uh, situation with uh, Adam Schiff uh, asking Twitter to suspend uh, Paul Sperry, the investigative journalist. Twitter uh, refused to do that. As it turns out, all these different government agencies generally filtered through the FBI telling Twitter who and what to ban. <laughs> Jim, uh, it sounds like a broken record, but it just keeps getting worse here. You know, from the very beginning, I've kind of observed that when social media companies says, we are opening up our platforms to the world, no matter who you are, you can set up an account and you can speak your mind. It wasn't opening the door to just the good people. You're going to have people who are going to get on social media who are going to say things you weren't going to like, who are going to say things that were controversial. Who are gonna... And foreign intelligence, if you set up, well, anybody can set up a Twitter account. Well, that means foreign intelligence agencies or foreign governments could set up lots of fake accounts and start putting out whatever message they want. It's kind of built into the system. Now, if you want to have something where in order to have a Twitter account, you need to show driver's license or something, well, you could do that. Dramatically changes the user experience, but okay, you could do that. What's surprising to me is that it, uh, at no point did this come up in, in an earlier batch of the uh, uh, the Twitter files. We saw this, con- this surprisingly pleasant comment from Ro Khanna a uh, Democratic congressman from California, who said, well, you know, there are some First Amendment issues here. Let's say you want to put something out uh, and you're saying Biden is a duty head or something like that, or um, Zelensky's uh, a jerk or something like that. And Russian propaganda is also putting out the message, Zelensky is a jerk. The fact that what you're saying is similar to or echoing or something like that, you're, the fact that you're saying the same things that the Russian propaganda mills, the internet research agency based out in uh, St. Petersburg, the troll farms, the fact that you're, what you're saying echoes that does not overrule your First Amendment rights. Okay, you know, the, Just because it's something that's put out by a foreign government, one, doesn't necessarily mean it's true. Uh, doesn't necessarily mean it's not true. And the second thing is, doesn't mean you as an American don't have a right to say the same thing. Otherwise, you're giving foreign governments a right to decide what uh, Americans can and cannot say. When it comes to the internet research agency out in St. Petersburg or the troll farms or stuff like that, I don't like them. I have no problem with U.S. Cyber Command going over and shutting off the power when they've, in fact, they've done that in the past. I have no problem with Twitter or Facebook on their own volition looking at that and saying, hmm, you know what? This does not look like a real person. This looks like some sort of bot. This looks like some sort of foreign. That's fine. But the moment the U.S. government comes to Twitter and says, hey, you know what? We've got a list of accounts we'd like you to shut down. Well, now we're getting into a much more, you know, even if it's not a direct order from the government, it's just a polite request. It still amounts to government censorship. And oh, by the way, all of this is happening behind the scenes. There is no clarity. There is no clear appeal process. Nobody knows all this kind of stuff. This is recognizing very serious First Amendment issues here um, because this is getting closer to the idea of the government saying what you can and cannot say on a social media platform. This is all egregious, and I'm very glad Elon Musk is allowing this to be reported, is allowing this to be put out there. It is very, very clear that social media companies began to see themselves as sort of an adjunct of the government. They felt like running their companies responsibly required them to you know, to enact content standards that aligned with what the federal government wants. And that is completely contrary to both the spirit and the literal meaning of the First Amendment. So I'm glad this is out there. I think this is appalling. And uh, I'd like to think under Elon Musk, this is a new era, a new day, a new style of rules. And, you know, next time the federal government comes up and says, hey, we'd like you to shut down these accounts, you know, Musk and Twitter management will say, nah, we're not, you know, we're not listening to you on that. 
we'll we'll make our own decisions. If we decide this, you know, account has violated our rules or something like that, maybe we'll do that. But we're not in the business. We don't work for you. It's not our job to make you happy. Our job is to make our customers happy. And we'll decide whether that account should get you know, shut down. Um, hopefully that's what to come. But otherwise, very ominous indicators of uh, certain portions of the federal government who believed that they now had a new job as being Twitter content moderators. Yeah, it's just disturbing to watch this play out step by step. Uh, good reporting by Taibi. Uh, number 37 here, I think this was on the second thread, uh, also kind of chilling because you think, oh, well, maybe the, the bureaucrats are just sending them this list and that just gets lost in the in the inbox and, and nobody really cares what happens. No, 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 no. Requests poured in from FBI offices all over the country, day after day, hour after hour. If Twitter didn't act quickly, questions came. Was action taken? Any movement? So in addition to giving them this endless list of people they don't like and uh, flimsy reasons for shutting down their free speech, uh, they're badgering uh, people at Twitter very quickly after giving them those lists. So uh, there was definitely uh, a close watch on that uh, in terms of whether the those accounts were actually suspended. So just amazing. All right, well, let's talk about some more good news, and that's Four Patriots, where you can find them at fourpatriots.com slash martini and find all the great deals, including getting a free solar panel with the purchase of the Patriot Power Generator 2000X. As we always say with Four Patriots, you need to be prepared because you just don't know when the power is going to go out. The Patriot Power Generator 2000X worth its weight in gold because it has double the capacity and is expandable so you can run all the big appliances like your fridge, your freezer, and medical devices. comes with 12 outlets, including four AC, plus two USB-C outlets that can charge your phone 20 times faster than a regular plug. Never needs gas, thanks to that solar panel. Fume-free, silent, and safe. 100% satisfaction guaranteed. Visit 4patriots.com slash martini to get your Patriot Power Generator 2000X with the free solar panel included. Plus, get free shipping on orders over $97. Save more and get peace of mind now by going to the number 4patriots.com slash martini. That's 4patriots.com slash martini. Cartels are exploiting Indian reservations to get into America, and our federal government can't be bothered to stop it. Hey, y'all, it's Sarah Carter from The Sarah Carter Show. I just got back from two trips to our southern border, and I want to take you inside a huge hotspot where thousands of migrants are coming into America every day. I was with a member of the National Border Patrol Council when the Border Patrol nabbed multiple illegal migrants who were breaking U.S. law, and I have the exclusive audio. For all this and more, subscribe to The Sarah Carter Show on your favorite podcast app. All right, on to our good martini now, Jim. So ending on the more positive side, in addition to uh, all the back and forth and uh, the the non-swearing-in that happened yesterday on Capitol Hill, uh, there was a swearing-in that happened in Tallahassee, Florida, and that's for the second term of Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, uh, rave reviews from just about everybody on the right for different parts of his inaugural speech, including this one on the fight against the woke left. This bizarre but prevalent ideology that permeates these policy measures purports to act in the name of justice for the marginalized, but it frowns upon American institutions. It rejects merit and achievement, and it advocates identity essentialism. We reject this woke ideology. We seek normalcy, not philosophical lunacy. We will not allow reality, facts, and truth to become optional. We will never surrender to the woke mob. 
Florida is where woke goes to die. And so, Jim, that was a big part of, you know, where Ron DeSantis made headlines, uh, even the fight with Disney last year and uh, different ways that he just refused to surrender to the uh, leftist agenda, which gets uh, crazier and crazier by the day. And uh, as you pointed out in the morning jolt today, wouldn't take much to tweak this speech for a bigger audience. No, I think that's what's most surprising about it. Um, And yeah, he talked about some of this on the campaign trail running for re-election last year. Um, And, you know, there's there's no secret I'm a fan of Governor DeSantis. I I think he's it would be good for well, not just good for him, but, you know, good for the Republican Party, good for the conservative movement and good for the country. If he ran in 2024, I think it's very likely that he runs in 2024. Um, But there are just whole swaths of this that basically you could use as a presidential uh, campaign speech, most notably his criticism of the floundering federal establishment in Washington, D.C., the complaint about an inflationary spending binge that left our nation weaker and our citizens poorer, open borders, mockery of the rule of law. I mean, just, you know, he talked a lot about national policy, which I think is, you know, hint, hint, nudge, nudge. He's been thinking about these things. Now, the point of that section of speech allegedly was to provide a contrast between what he was doing and what the Republicans are doing in the state government there in Florida and how it's working. And you're seeing the Florida economy thriving. People are happy. People are free. And the comparative failure of largely Democrat-run Washington, D.C. But look, inherent in that contrast is, hey, if I were there, I'd be doing things differently. Now, I don't think DeSantis is going to announce anytime soon. There's still a Florida legislative session ahead. Uh, He laid out some of his priorities there. Not all, but a couple of them. Another round of tax cuts, constitutional carry. He's indicated he wants to sign a heartbeat law on abortion. Although I'm not sure that's, uh, I guess we'll see if that's in the cards. Look. He could run for president. I don't think he needs to run for president anytime soon. I don't think the early announcement did any favors for Donald Trump. And I think that DeSantis probably wants to get at least one more really productive state legislative session done before he announces he's running for president. One more chance to say, hey, I can get big things done. And then, you know, either later this year or my guess is no, you know, no later than the fall, Ron DeSantis will say, yes, I'm running for president. And he'll start going to Iowa, New Hampshire and doing things like that. So we'll see how things shake out. But again, I think it's just a very clear preview of the themes of a Ron DeSantis presidential bid if it comes to pass. Yeah. And the polls look better and better for him. But we're so far out. Uh, I think the longer he stays out, the more people are going to like him because <laughs> we're going to see uh, people jumping in fairly soon here. I think it's it's the new year and the people who are going to be lower tier candidates are going to want all the uh, ramp up time that they can get. So buckle up for that, too. Will we have presidential announcements before we have a speaker, Jim? I guess that's the, the big <laughs> question now. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see how that goes. Jim, have a great day. See you on tomorrow. See you tomorrow, Greg. Jim Garrity, National Review. I'm Greg Corumbus, Radio America. Thanks so much for being with us today. Do subscribe to the Three Martini Lunch if you don't already. Uh, Tell a friend about us as well, please. Would love to have them along. Uh, Thank you for your five-star ratings and your kind reviews. Please keep those coming. They're a huge help to us. Get us on your home devices. All you have to say is play Three Martini Lunch podcast. Follow us on Twitter. He's at Jim Garrity. I'm at Dateline underscore DC. Have a great Wednesday and join us again on Thursday for the next Three Martini Lunch.